Live. My name is Bobby Ray Carter, and I am here with personal financial expert Susie Orman. Hi, everybody. I didn't know it was Twitter Live, too, now. It yeah. is. Isn't that great? I love Twitter. I do, too. Do you? Are you on Twitter a lot? I'm on Twitter, at Susie Orman Show. I'm also on Facebook, and we have lots of followers, but I yeah. after all these years, I have to tell you, I still haven't gotten it down. I know. I'm just, I feel the same way. Well, we're going to help you today because we are here to answer your financial questions. So feel free to share them if you have any questions. So here's my first one. We all went through the holidays and the stress of the shopping. Do you have any financial advice for us to help us out now as we're going to a new year? So so here, here's the real answer for all of you. Like, what were you thinking? Like, really, how many years have you gone through the holiday season, you buy things that people can't even remember that you got them a year later, you're in credit card debt again, and now you're asking me, do you have any advice? I have to tell you, yeah, just don't do it again. Pin up your credit card statement from this last December and look at that come November next year and go, is this really worth it? But here's what you should do. Go to all the people that you get these gifts for and ask them what you gave them one year ago. And I will bet you any amount of money they cannot remember what you got them. But you're still paying for it. So if you really mm -hmm. want to be respectful to yourself, just don't do that. And here's the other scoop, people. You give a gift to somebody that you can't afford. Then they feel guilty and give mm -hmm. you gift, give a gift back that they can't afford. Now, you both have credit card debt. And really, it's just ridiculous. So don't do it. I like that. Then you end up re-gifting it anyway. That's right. right. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, Susie, give us, are there some ways that we can save money without really knowing we're doing it? That's, well, here's the thing. The question is, why don't you want to know that you're doing it? Like, there's three laws of money, and really they are, one, you are to live below your means but within your needs. So just because you have the money and you can afford something doesn't mean you should do it. So you live below your means but within your needs. How do you do that? Every time that you buy something, ask yourself the question, is this a need or is this a want? If it is a need, what's a need? Need is buying food at a grocery store. What is a want? Want is buying food at a restaurant. If every time you ask that, yourself that question, you only buy needs, you'll be amazed at how much more money you have. And the third one, which answers your question, you need to get as much pleasure out of saving as you do spending. Mm -hmm. Why do you get all this pleasure out of buying something and impressing people that you don't even know or like with money you don't even have? So start mm -hmm. taking that money and looking at it and going, yeah, I saved this. Not where you're, you know, go on to automatic and you don't even know what you've saved, but, oh, my God, I saved an extra $50, an extra $100, because you know, yeah, Bobby, idea. if they could just understand what $100 a month could add up to over right. time. So right. listen to this, people. Let's mm -hmm. say you're out there and you're 25 years of age, and you start saving $100 a month today, and you put it into a Roth IRA. Do you even know what that is? You should. Anyway, you put in a Roth IRA every single month until you are my age, you are 65 years old. Do you know in 40 years with average market returns, you will have $1 million? But wow. you say to yourself, oh, $100. 
What's $100 a month is $1,200 a year. What if I start at $35, $1,200 a year for 10 years is only $12,000. What difference can $12,000 really make? You start at $35 rather than $25, you'll have only $300,000 when you are 65. Those years cost you $700. $1,000. Boy, that's so important to share with our kids, isn't it? Yeah, right? Gosh, wow. So what, is there a better way for us like, to track and know our credit score? Because that's so important to know. Well, you know, what's really interesting is you can't turn on TV today and not see what? Not see creditkarma.com. But what you have to understand is this. The only credit scores that really are looked at by who? By the creditors are what's known as FICO scores. If you get a score, like from creditkarma.com, and I love them to just check it out, but you have to go to myfico.com or get a Discover card where they give you your FICO score. You have to know your FICO score because your credit score, nobody looks at your credit score. They're only looking at your FICO score. So the best way to do it is, and it costs you money. Or right. Open up a Discover card. What do you care? And get your FICO score every month for free. That's what I would I do. I like it. So we have a question from Kate. Thank you for sharing. Kate wants to know, what is the smartest way for her to start saving for her son's college? Oh, you know, you know, Kate, what's funny is I wish you were here and you could talk to me right now. Because my question back to you is, you want to save for your son's college education? Kate, do you have credit card debt? Hmm, probably. Do you have an eight-month emergency fund? Hmm, probably not. Are you fully contributing to your retirement account? I didn't think so. And yet you're asking me what's the best way for you to save for your kids' college education if you do not have a financial outlook, which is you don't have credit card debt, you have an at least eight-month emergency fund, you're fully funding your, uh, you know, your retirement accounts, you own a home, you own your car outright, everything is together. If you have all that going for you and your job is secure, okay, the best way to fund your child's college education is through a 529 college savings program. Go to savingforcollege.com. Joseph Hurley is the nation's expert on it, and that would be the best way for you to do it. However, Kate, if you don't have all those things, the best thing you could do is forget saving for your kids' college education. Save for your own future retirement. You have got to say no out of love for yourself versus yes out of fear that your kid will not love you. Yeah, so important. So when we have to make like a big investment like a car, when would be the best time to do that? When you need a car. Yep, good point. So if, <laughs> if you're going to buy a car and you don't have a lot of money, the best kind of car you should buy is a used car. A new car for you, but a used car. Why? Because a new car, the second that you drive it off the lot, depreciates 20 or 30% in value. Now, why does that matter? I'll tell you. Because if you insure that car, no money down. You get to buy it. Fine, no problem. And it's a $20,000 car. And now you drive it off the lot. It's depreciated 20% right there, which is $4,000. It's now worth $16,000. You drive two blocks. You're hit by a bus. Total the car. All right, you're safe. Everybody's okay. But you're not financially safe. Why? Because your car insurance policy will only pay you for the current value of the car. The current value is only $16,000. You owe 
$4,000 to the car company, your finance company, because they're only going to give you what it's worth. So you don't have a car and you're 4000 in debt. So do me a favor, buy a used car. And if you're going to finance a car, you are only to finance it over three years. If you have to go four years or more to afford the finance payments, you are buying too expensive of a car. Same thing with a home loan, right? Well, a home loan's a little bit different because homes you really got to be careful with, especially mm -hmm. now. Remember, a home is a big value. Sometimes you think, oh, I'm paying $1,000 in rent, so if I can buy a home for a $1,000 mortgage, I can afford the home. I don't think so. Not only do you have the mortgage payment, you have the home insurance, you have the property tax, you have maintenance, maybe you have private mortgage insurance, you have at least 40% more a month than the $1,000 mortgage payment. So you really have to know what you're doing. So you have to mm -hmm. not only have 10 or 20% to put down, you have to have an eight-month emergency fund besides your down payment. You also have to have the ability to make those payments, which means you have a secure job. You have to have a good FICO score, because if you have a bad FICO score, the interest rates that they're going to charge you on your loan are just going to be horrific. So you really got to know what you're doing. Yeah, so important. That's why you need me, Yes, everybody. we need Susie, and we have her by the way. Okay, so we want to cut back on spending. We've decided to do that. Where do we start? I mean, it's not like cutting out groceries. I mean, what should we start by cutting you out? You know, so rather than, so rather than, you know, cutting out a whole category, like you're never, ever, ever going to spend money again on Starbucks coffee. Let's get realistic here, people. You know, it's like money going on a, a, a you know, a Budget is like going on a diet. You lose 20 pounds, although I'm sure you never lost 20 pounds in your life or gained them, but that's besides the point. But So you lose 20 pounds, you gain 40. You have $20,000 of credit card debt, and you cut back everything, and you budget. Before you know it, you have $40,000 of credit card debt. So it's really important. You just make little cuts in a lot mm -hmm. of places. Rather than going to the movie every single weekend, only go three times a month rather than four. Rather than getting your hair cut every five weeks, get it cut every eight weeks. Whatever it is, but just save a little here, a little there, so you really don't feel it and you don't feel like you're deprived. But if you go on this strict budget, I'm here to tell you, it will not work. Mm -hmm. And that's and then it adds up and adds up. Yeah. So we have a question from Terry. So Terry wanted to know how do the will and documents in the kit? How do they would they hold up in court without an attorney? Oh, these are legal. Do you know, these are legal documents, everybody. So they're going to hold up totally if you follow the directions that are in this kit. So that what that means, you go when you get it notarized. You go when you get it witnessed. You go and you fund the trust with the funding documents that are in here. We give you everything that you need. And if by chance you're not sure, so take it to a lawyer. Hey, you can call Janet, the lawyer who created this. Might cost you a few hundred bucks for her to go over everything with you. But at least you'll know you did it correctly. But if you're good at following directions and you do everything we tell you to do to the T, you should be fine no matter what. Love it. So, Susie, what are, what are your thoughts on, like, automatic bill pay? I mean, what should we 
have automatically paid, what should we not? Yeah, I absolutely, you know, kind of like automatic bill pay. I have to tell you, as long as there are bills that are fixed, like, you know, you're all so dingy, really, when it comes to your money. <laughs> you forget what you're paying, you forget, yeah. you know, you don't want to open up any of your bills, so you get your bills, you put it aside, mm -hmm. you forget to open them up, then you're three days late on the mortgage payment, then you get dinged, then your FICO score goes down, then your interest rates go up. So automate everything that you can. So that would be your car payment, your loan payment, your utility bills you have to be a little careful about because why? They're different every month. So just do things that are fixed every month that you can and then that might help you from being late on many payments. I like that. So we have all of this debt. What is the most important debt? Like, where do we start? What should we pay off first? Depends what kind of debt you have, but I can tell you the most is serious debt that any of you can have is student loan debt. It is the most dangerous debt out there. Do you know that you can bankrupt any other kind of debt, even IRS debt, but student loan debt in 99.9% .9 of the cases cannot be discharged in bankruptcy. So that student loan debt will follow you to your grave. And what they do is they let you go from 10000 to 20,000, to 40,000, to 80,000, to 150,000, and then they come knocking at your door, and you think you've gotten away with it. Then they have the legal authority to garnish your wages, garnish your social security checks, do anything that they want. So the one debt that's the most important for you to pay is your student loan debt. Exactly. That's so important. I love yeah. that. So for a lot of us, we have, we want to invest. We know it's important to do a 401k. Do we do the traditional or do we do a Roth? Yeah, whenever you have the ability to do a Roth 401k versus a traditional 401k, and most of your corporations will offer both. And I'm telling you, if you work for a company that doesn't offer a Roth 401k, you need to get your booty into the HR office and tell them what are they thinking. Because they're really doing all of their employees a tremendous disservice. So you have to offer a Roth 401k. Why? Because we don't know what tax brackets are going to be 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. So you are far better off paying the taxes today, putting the money in the account, investing it and letting it grow tax-free over all those years so that 20 years from now, 40 years from now, you have $400,000 in there and you want to withdraw all $400,000, you can tax-free. If you have 400000 in a traditional 401k and you withdraw all of it, you're going to lose 50% of it to taxes. So in a Roth 401k, what you see is what you get. In a traditional 401k, what you see is not what you get mm -hmm. because you have to pay taxes. Taxes of what brackets? Depends what tax brackets are at the time. Remember, it wasn't too many years ago when the top tax bracket was 90%. Mm -hmm. Then it was 70%. Then it went to 50%. Don't think it can't go up there, peeps. Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize when you're changing a job, you know, don't take that money out. Yeah, the biggest right, don't is, leave it. Don't leave it there, too, right? And don't leave it there. Mm -hmm. You should roll it over right. into an IRA rollover because an IRA gives you far more diversification mm -hmm. than a 401k. You know, in a 401k, you usually only can buy the company stock and a few mutual funds. In a retirement account like an IRA with 
you know, discount brokerage firm like E-Trade or TD Ameritrade or whatever it may be, Charles Schwab or Fidelity. You can buy stocks. You can buy all kinds of things. So go for the discount brokerage firm to roll your account over versus rolling it into your new you know, jobs, 401k. Good. So Colleen wants to know, should she keep her 403b, 403b, yeah. or reinvest it? What kind of question is I that? I don't know. Colleen? So that's why. I mean, <laughs> your question doesn't even make any sense. I have to tell you. I was you. hoping you understood it. I was like, that <laughs> makes no sense whatsoever. In a 403b, your money's going to earn money. Now, what is a 403B? A 403B is identical to a 401K. Both of those are just retirement accounts. The difference is a 401K is with a profit for profit corporation. A 403B is like a school or a hospital, a nonprofit. So if you're investing in a 403B plan, you're investing in it every single month. And you cannot touch that money if it's a traditional 403B until you're 59 and a half in most cases without incurring a 10% federal tax penalty. And when you withdraw it, you'll pay ordinary income taxes on it. So as that money earns money, it automatically gets reinvested in that 403B. So I don't really know what you're talking about, girlfriend. you got to find out. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. No problem. Okay, so, we love you, Colleen. Yeah, we do. We love you. So do we? are we better off like saving for an emergency fund or paying off credit card debt? I have to tell you, you know, it depends on your situation, but given where we are right now, now years ago, back in 2007, 2008, I would have said to you, whatever you do, forget your credit card debt and have a savings fund. Because why? Credit cards were closing down. All these things were happening. But today, if you ask me, you're far better off saving money that you can, but saving it by doing what? Paying off your credit card debt. Why? Because most of you have an interest rate on your credit cards of 10%, 15%, mm -hmm. 18%, 23%. How much money is your emergency fund earning for you? Maybe half a percent if you're lucky. So if you pay off your credit cards knowing that if you get into trouble, so you take a cash advance or you use that money on the credit cards now that you've paid down to buy your gas, buy your food, so you really have money there, you'd be better getting out of credit card debt because when you get out of credit card debt, your FICO score goes up. When your FICO score goes up, your car insurance premiums in most states can go down. Your interest rates on your other credit cards go down. Interest rates on a car loan or a home mortgage go down. Your direct TV bill will go down. So all kinds of things are affected as Bobby over here is gasping because she had, had no, no idea, idea exactly. that your FICO score has anything to do with direct TV. I but did not. it does. Yeah. So the most important thing you can do for yourself is to get your FICO score up there. FICO scores run all the way from 300 all the way to 850. Your goal is to have a FICO score of 760 or above. And look at the interest rate you're paying on you when those credit cards, because a lot of people don't right. even look at that. Yeah, right. well, you better look at that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we have time for one more question. Uh -huh. So I need to fix my car. Am I better off taking the money from my Roth IRA or from my 401k? So the biggest mistake that most of you make in life is you take a loan from your 401k. If you're currently working, you cannot just take money out of your 401k. You have to take it out by a loan. If you do it as a loan, it's a huge mistake. 
even though you think you're being smart because you're paying yourself back an interest rate on it, you're not, even though you are, you're not. Remember, when you take a loan from a 401k, you've never paid you know, taxes on that money. You have five years to pay that loan back. When you pay it back, you're paying it with after-tax money. Then later on in life, when you go to withdraw that money again, guess what? You pay taxes again. You've now just volunteered for double taxation. What are you, nuts? You'd be far better off taking money out of a Roth IRA because any money that you put into a Roth IRA, you can take out without taxes or penalties, regardless of your age or how long that money has been in there. It's just the interest and the growth on that money that you don't want to touch until you're 59 and a half. I always learn so much with you, fabulous Susie Armand. Yes. We, we should do an hour here. And we just, how we many should. questions can we answer in exactly. one hour? Well, and by the way, don't forget, you can go to hsn.com and check out our brand new exclusive offer with Susie. And tomorrow on the air live, 4 o'clock? 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock. Thank you for all your questions. Have a fabulous day. Sure.